Welcome to the Book Club Girl podcast, where we chat about great books with awesome authors, and you, our listeners, get to ask the questions. I'm Bianca Flores, and the book we're discussing today got me missing the beach so much. I am originally from Honolulu, and so anything about the beach, I just absolutely am obsessed with. So the book that actually came to mind when I was reading this was You, Me, and the Sea by Meg Donahue, which is this, you know, really beautiful contemporary reimagining of Wuthering Heights set at the seaside in Northern California. So kind of similar to where I'm living now in San Francisco. Um, And I often still find myself thinking of the ocean descriptions in the book to this day. They are just that beautiful. Oh my gosh. I know, although hard to beat uh, the ocean from Honolulu. I'm (laughs) Tavia Kowalchuk and I am just like you, Bianca. Take me to the beach any day, summer or winter, in fiction or in real life. It is my happy place. And the book that like Lovers Do made me think of is another book set in Martha's Vineyard. It's by the View co-host, Sunny Hostin, and it's called Summer on the Bluffs, and it's her debut novel. It's set in Oak Bluffs, which is a neighborhood on Martha's Vineyard, which is historically a black neighborhood. And yes. I mean, the beach scenes are amazing. The summer lifestyle is amazing. But what she really does so well in this book is she really sort of casts this really sharp eye on the sort of societal norms of Martha's Vineyard and the expectations of that sort of little microcosm of society. It's really a great book. It's like a beach read, plus it's also very thoughtful and it makes you think about stuff. It's really, really good. I haven't read that, but I've heard amazing things. So it is on my to-read list at the top. (laughs) And I can't wait for such a good I know. It's so good. You have to read it. So on today's show, we'll be discussing this friends to lovers meets fake dating romance. And later in the show, we'll be joined by award-winning contemporary romance author Tracy Lifsey. Before we dive into this week's episode, I just want to remind all of our listeners that you can buy any or all of the books that we discuss on this show at a 25% discount with free shipping. So if you go to hc.com and use the promo code BOOKCLUBGIRL, all one word, you can stock up on these engrossing and discussable reads. It's a pretty good deal, so I would say go for it. Yes, I love anything at a 25% discount. And especially if it's books, you can definitely sign me up. <laughs> I'm not all about the free shipping. Honestly, it kills me to pay shipping. So oh, totally. I would do it just for that. <laughs> and now we present to you, like lovers do, abridged. Dr. Nicole Allen is a driven and accomplished orthopedic surgeon. Even with a tough pass, Nick's gone above and beyond everyone's expectations. During her three-year residency at Johns Hopkins, she has rented a room in Benjamin Reed Van Mont's house. He's the black sheep of his family, having chosen to become a financial advisor against the wishes of his parents who own a medical business empire. Nick has just three weeks left in her residency when she disciplines an intern, a powerful donor's son, and a prestigious fellowship she's awaiting in Durham, North Carolina, is placed in jeopardy. When Ben offers to ask his parents to intervene on her behalf with the leadership in Durham, Nick can't just accept the favor from her dear friend. Instead, she offers to act as his girlfriend for a week-long vacation in Martha's Vineyard with Ben's childhood friends. Among them will be Ben's ex, the pushy, self-centered, and status-climbing Tinsley. They hope that Nick's presence will discourage 
Tinsley's advances. But the charade proves tricky for them both, as unacknowledged and unexplored feelings start to surface now that they are both away from their work. Ben has vowed to not get involved with a career woman, as he wants a dedicated mother for his children, and Nick feels indebted to herself and her mother, who worked two jobs her whole life, to not put her success as a surgeon at risk for anyone. Will the romantic setting of Martha's Vineyard get the better of Ben and Nick, who each have strong yet different visions for their futures? So, Tavia, what did you think of the book? Okay, before I tell you, first as an aside, I just have to say that Tinsley is the absolute worst. Okay, oh, she really <laughs> moving on. So, oh my so goodness. I love how it says on the cover that this is a girl's trip novel, and I love this concept it frames the book it starts out with all these friends on a girl's trip all these girlfriends yes and those friendships resurfaced during the drama of the novel to support and center nick they're like her touchstone at these key points in the book i can totally relate to this i am a dedicated girls tripper myself you know bianca we were laughing earlier when we were prepping for this episode (laughs) because in this month alone, I'm going on two girls trips. I'm so jealous. Two different girls <laughs> trips. And I think, you know, I'm overdoing it a little bit because there were no girls trips during the pandemic. But I'm like back in the swing of it. And <laughs> these are the moments in my friendships with these women that like cement cement our relationship. And I just I just think it's brilliant that that Tracy has made this sort of a cornerstone of of these books and I think it's an essential part of many women's lives. I couldn't agree more. I went on a girls trip early or like later last year and I'm like desperate for my next one. I am so jealous that you have so many coming up. Um and I love that she used it for her opening. I think it's just such a nice way to to enter any book. And I also feel like this book really served as a celebration of friendship in more ways than one Tavia. You know, we have the friend groups of course. We have like you were just saying, you know, Nick's friend group, but we also have Ben's friend group, and more importantly, we have Nick and Ben's friendship, which is just, you know, so steamy. (laughs) I know. It's funny. It's like, I was just going to say, putting friendship aside, those sex scenes were (laughs) amazing. And also, also, not quite the same, but I really appreciated that these characters cursed. They said bad words. I am totally down with profanity. I use it in my own life. And I just, it just gave a sense of realism to these characters. I was like, yes, they're talking the way I talk. I really, I just appreciated that. And it wasn't over the top. They weren't dropping the F-bomb at every turn in the book, but it was just, it was appropriate when it showed up. And I really appreciated that. It takes, I think it's hard for a writer to like use cuss words in a way that like, they don't jump out at you right in a way that's not distracting or taking you out of the story right I I totally agree it felt really authentic but yes those you know sex scenes were so steamy and I really (laughs) feel like they were the steamiest I've ever read I was like oh my goodness she's she's just really getting into it Bianca's got her fan going she's like woo I'm like ooh, I can't be reading this out in public someone's gonna see Uh, but on a different note, Tavia, I also really loved how Nick was so determined to put her career first before love. It just, I don't know, it just reminded me a lot of how I felt during high school and college. I was just like, no, I, I, you know, again, growing up 
in Honolulu, there's not, there's no publishing. And so I was like, I need to get out of here. I need to go, I need to work in publishing. I need to work really hard and like get there and do that. It's not gonna be easy. And so I felt very similar. I, again, it's nothing like being a surgeon, but I I just understand, you know, that sense of needing to be focused and determined. And it was just really nice to see that reflected here. I have mad respect for Nick and her mom. I yes. mean, they are fierce, amazing women who were left to take care of themselves. And Nick, you know, jumped social strata. Her mom worked two jobs. They didn't have a lot. And her mom sacrificed a ton to send her daughter to school and pay for excellent universities. And I, I actually personally don't know how much you have to sacrifice to do that for your child. And I I just really respected these characters from the get-go. And I, I really like that, that, that there are women like this in this book and you get to see them thrive and succeed and you know, enjoy the fruits of all of their hard work. Totally. I also just wanted to hang out with them. I was like, you are incredible women. Like, you need to hang out. Like, <laughs> I'm like getting all serious. You're like, let's just have a beer. Let's let's <laughs> hang out. Like, teach me your ways. You're incredible. <laughs> um, but we can't end this conversation without talking about the roommate romance part of this too. I just felt like a lot of people can relate to that, especially during COVID. I feel like I know, I, were like, I, heard, I feel like I heard a lot of stories about roommates getting together or maybe not necessarily roommates, but people who lived in like the same building getting together during, you know, the, the really, really hard early parts of COVID because they, you know, people couldn't go out and see each other. And so there was a lot of, you know, roommate romances happening. So I feel like in a way, this is, this is very timely. <laughs> That is so funny. Yeah, I have never had a romance with a roommate, but I have heard of people that do. And it's definitely it's definitely a trope. And Tracy handles it really well in this book. Bianca, I am going to toast us so that one day we will have a girl's day at the beach. Oh, yes, let's do it. Here's Cheers. to that. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> We love hearing from our listeners. You can rate and review the Book Club Girl podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening to this episode. And you can also participate in conversations about great books in the lively comments section of our Instagram feed at Book Club Girl. So follow us, join the conversation. And hey, if you want to hang out with me some more, I'm at Tavia Reads on Instagram. Today, we're joined by Tracy Lissay, whose book, Like Lovers Do, is out now. Tracy, welcome to the Book Club Girl podcast. We are so glad you're here with us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Really am. Like Lovers Do is the second novel in your Girls Trip series. For people who haven't read the books in the series, what can they expect? So the Girls Trip series is a series of books based on my own um, friendship with the group of women that I went to college with. And so we met our first year of college and um, quite by sort of accident and became really good friends, stayed friends throughout all of college. And after we graduated, we really did end up going on vacation together. Again, it was purely by accident. And uh, we had such a good time that we said, well, we have to do this again next year. And it just turned into this thing. And so when I mentioned that just in passing to my editor, like, this is what I do. She was like, that's a great idea for a series. And so 
what the book tries to do is give the reader a sense of that friendship. So each book starts with a chapter of the women on vacation. So you get to know them and get an idea of how they interact with each other. And then the remaining part of the book is the love story of one of, of the women. And the women, you know, will play a part in each person's story because they're best friends. So they'll be calling, you know, getting advice and that sort of thing. Um, but it's, you know, it's a way to sort of bring that friendship that I have that people seem to really sort of respond to and be surprised by to bring that into, you know, romance novels, which I, which I really love. I loved it so much. Bianca and I have gone on and on about this because I have been taking girls trips with this one group of friends for decades, literally decades. And they're such a meaningful part of my life. And I just thought you you nailed it. Like you totally got the girlship vibe in this book. And I love the way that these friendships come back at key moments to support Nick. Like they're they're there when she needs when she needs them. And I also got the sense that, you know, these women could be apart for a whole year and and it's like nothing. It's like no time passed. And so I really, I really agree with your editor. It's a brilliant idea. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And, that, and that, that, yeah, that's really true. So you've listened to past episodes of the podcast. So hopefully you've realized that we appreciate diverse voices and diverse representation in the fictional characters of the books that we read. And you are known for writing interracial romances. I would love to hear more about this this choice or like you fell into it. I just would love to know more about that. Yeah, so it is it is a choice and it isn't. So I think the reason I ended up writing interracial is that my husband is white. And so when we were dating, I'm reading the genre that I love the most and I'm trying to find our relationship reflected in the books and I couldn't anywhere. And if I did, then the stories were always about race, right? So the main conflict between the hero and heroine wasn't what you would find in, you know, a romance novel, not stuff that just because he's a, he's a man or he hasn't dealt with his own issues, but it's always like, oh, he's white and she's black. How will they ever get along? And it's like, <laughs> that was not our issue. You know, if we had issue, our different races wasn't. And I just wanted to sort of see our relationship again in the books that mm -hmm. I love the most. And so, I mean, it was a conscious effort. I was like, okay, so this is the relationship that I'm in. This is what I'd like to see. Then maybe I need to write what it is that I want to see. And so that's why I wrote Interracial. Early on, it was a problem. I think people were like, well, how is this going to work? And is that realistic? And if you do a series, does that mean that all the white men are only gonna you know, end up with all the black women? I'm like, well, I guess that's what's gonna happen because that is what I write. You know, and, and it, I guess sort of going back to my women's studies roots, sort of like the personal is the political. And so, again, I didn't set out to be political or mm -hmm. to say, like, I'm only writing interracial for some grand reason or to sell books or whatever. I literally wanted to write the stories that I was looking to read. You're listening to the Book Club Girl podcast, where our guest this week is Tracy Livesay, whose book, Like Lovers Do, is out now. You can read more about Tracy's books at bookclubgirl.com. 
coming up on the book club girl podcast we ask tracy about her affinity literary character and you're gonna love this answer so stick around this episode of the book club girl podcast is brought to you by the change by kirsten miller a revenge fantasy about three women who in the midst of a midlife crisis take on unexpected powers the change by kirsten miller is out now Tracy, one of my favorite scenes in the book is also one of the most horrifying, I think. I'm clearly talking about the scene where Nick accidentally texts Ben instead of somebody else. It's just, I was so horrified, but I loved it so much. All the drama. It's so good. So I've got to ask you, has something like that ever happened to you? And what were your feelings while writing that scene? so crazy. Uh, Well, first, let me say, I have been... um, (laughs) married to my husband for over 20 years so if anything happens (laughs) it's safe um but I, (laughs) i i needed of course to have a way for them to they're obviously aware that each other's attractive but they have made the choice that this friendship that we have built is more important than acting on mm-hmm. some attraction that might not work out and we don't want to risk that and so when you have friends like that you have to find a way to throw that attraction back up you know you have to make it sort of pressing so we can get to the good stuff and so mm-hmm. while that particular thing hasn't happened <laughs> to me you know i do text a lot i'm on my phone a lot and sometimes you know i'll want to send a text to my husband and since we are the people who text each other the most we're usually at the top of the queue so i'll just open my text app and just start texting and send it and think I'm sending it to him and I'm actually sending it to another friend or something like that. That has happened quite a bit to me. And so I thought it's very possible that, you know, that (laughs) could have happened to Nick as well. And that's a good way to sort of, you know, to to sort of put it in his face. (laughs) Oh my God. I mean, I'm he ready. was out the door. He, he was, was like, I'm there. He was, I mean, I was go. like, you want you, at home? Okay, oh, yeah, so yeah. Good. I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can make it there. Oh <laughs> yeah. So in talking about Nick and her mistake, her texting mistake, air quotes, you know, I have I have so much respect for her. I mean, she is this accomplished orthopedic surgeon. She it puts her in this rarefied air, not only within the medical profession, but also within her race and gender. And I, I have to know, were you inspired by a real person? And if so, can I meet her? <laughs> Well, you you are. Thank you. No, <laughs> I would say <laughs> there is um, a, a, a doctor in my um, friend group. Um, so she's a little bit of her uh, and she's a little bit of me. And then she's just a little bit of just creation. But it was one of the things that I know about my friend. She's not an orthopedic surgeon, but I know sort of what some of the things she had to go through, you know, going through her education. And even now, it's so funny. We were talking maybe a few months ago and it, I don't know why it, it dawned when she was like, I asked her a question and she answered it. And she's like, you know, I'm, I've been a doctor for over 20 years. And I was like, what? Wait a minute. What? <laughs> um, I was like, oh, yes, you have. That makes total sense because, you know, of the age we are and everything that's been going on. Um, I just see her as my friend. But 
you know, I'm aware of sort of what she's had to, you know, the, the things she's had to deal with, uh, the, the constant slights that she's had to sort of, um, to move through just to help people, just to do her job, having people question, uh, whether she's qualified or when she comes into the room saying that, you know, they'll wait for the real doctor to come in, you know, those sorts of things, just because she wants to, to help them. That's just all she's ever wanted to do. Um, and so it, you know, it occurred to me that just at that level, you have to be someone who really wants to do this job. Um, and then you add into that the field that she went into. And I, and I specifically wanted Nick to be in that type of field where, um, you know, where there were very few people who looked like her. Um, not only because being black, but being a woman, um, I, I specifically was looking for a field like orthopedics because I wanted that to be a sort of proxy also just for you to see how tough she is and how driven she is, um, how important her job is for her. Cause it makes everything that follows that she does afterwards. You understand it. A hundred percent. I totally understood Nick's motivations. And what can you tell us about American Royalty and when is it coming out for our listeners? Okay, so American Royalty is coming out June 28th. I am so excited. Um, mm. As a side note, it is, so it is an entirely new series, but I want everyone to know because I have been asked this so often, I am still writing the Girl Strip series. The last two Girl okay. Trip books Thank are God. coming, <laughs> um, but... <laughs> uh, you know, this series is sort of just coming in. Just it, it, it just it had to. It wanted to come out now. Um, so it's just making its its presence known. So, American Royalty um, is the story of an American rapper who goes across the pond to perform in a tribute concert, and <laughs> she meets and falls in love with a member of the British royal family. That's that's Ooh. easy. It's <laughs> a quick way to describe it. I know that it's being marketed as sort of like, you know, uh, Harry and Meghan. And there are some obvious sort of uh, ties to Harry and Meghan, but uh, Danny is not like Meghan uh, in any way. Um, she is an American rapper, think sort of Meghan the Stallion mixed with a little bit of Cardi B. Um, yeah. and, <laughs> and, uh, and Prince Jameson, um, he, yeah, he's the queen's grandson, but he's, he's a, he's a reclusive, a reluctant royal. He does not want to be in the spotlight at all. He's like a, a grumpy professor and he is not happy to have this, you know, sexy rapper sort of thrown, uh, <laughs> thrown onto Ooh. his lap so you know I'll, I'll just leave it at that so oh my god uh, that sounds amazing tracy we have one final question for you so in every episode we ask our guests if you could be any character from any novel who would you be that is so hard um it really is it's hard okay i'm going to i'm going to go jane austen but I'm not going to go Lizzie. I know people probably go Lizzie. I'm not going to go Lizzie. I'm going to go Emma. And the reason I'm going to go Emma is because I am very bossy. I do believe that I know what is right for everyone. And <laughs> as a romance author, 
I do feel like I could help people with their romantic problems. And so, I mean, Emma Woodhouse just seems, that's everything, that's it's all encompassing. And so if I could do that and then end up with a really, you know, hot, friend of the family. That's what Sally Ford <laughs> said. Yes. I kind of love it though. I, I, you know, when we were going to ask this question, I didn't even think of Emma as being an option, but now two authors have said it and I'm like, yeah, I want to be Emma. Like, <laughs> hell yeah. That's what I have to, I don't have to go reread that book now. I'm like, I didn't really remember her being so amazing. <laughs> well, you know, I think it. I think it depends on how you look. You know, you look at her. I mean, she can be a little selfish and self-involved. I mean, yes, and we we have those sides to us as well. But um, oh, I can't believe that. That is so. Hey, Sally, high five. Yeah. <laughs> Tracy, it has been so awesome having you on the show. I really enjoyed talking to you about your book. I just, I can't remember having laughed this much in an interview in so long. My cheeks hurt. Thank you so much for joining us, Tracy. Thank you guys for having me. I had a blast. I've been looking forward to this. So thank you so much. Yay. That was Tracy Lifsey, whose book Like Lovers Do is out now. To find out more about Like Lovers Do and Tracy's other works, head to bookclipgirl.com slash podcast where you can also find links to everything mentioned in this episode. Like what you heard, and we know you did, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're out there, give us a reading and please leave a review. Another way that you can help spread the word about the Book Club Girl podcast is tell a friend. I know you've got other book lovers in your life. It really helps others to find us. You'll hear from us again next week, where we'll be speaking with Vanessa Riley, author of the remarkable historical novel, Island Queen. If you want to read the book before its podcast drops, head over to hc.com and use promo code bookclubgirl for 25% off and free shipping for any book discussed on this podcast. We love hearing from our listeners. Email us at thegirls at bookclubgirl.com or post in the comments on our Instagram feed at Book Club Girl. You can also leave us a voicemail. Yes, we do listen to our messages. Our number is 212-207-7336. And your voicemail or email could very well end up being read on the show. Before we go, we'd like to thank Caroline Quash of The Hangar Studios, who produced today's episode, Rich Serbini and Aaliyah Jackson, our excellent engineers at Hangar Studios. Until next time, I'm Tavia. And I'm Bianca. Happy reading! Ben opened her door and helped her out of the car, but made no move to enter the house. After dinner, Davis had lobbied to hit a nightclub one town over in Oak Bluffs, but Nick had been so worked up from their foreplay that she was practically vibrating. They'd declined the invitation. Standing in the driveway, the moonlight casting shadows over his features, he asked, Are you sure you still want to do this? Disappointment tightened her chest. Had he changed his mind? Yes. Don't you? Oh, yeah. He pushed her back against the vehicle and captured her lips in a hot, open-mouthed kiss. There was no tentativeness. No testing of the waters with sweet, soft pecks that gradually heated into something more. Ben took her mouth like a person claiming what was rightfully theirs. 
She shivered in delight at the confident display and allowed the possession. His tongue swept into her mouth and rasped exquisitely against hers. Butterflies performed aerobatics in her belly, like they were auditioning for the Blue Angels. Wanting to be closer to him, Nick clutched his shirt in her fingers and stood on her toes to deepen the kiss. He grabbed her ass and lifted her against the solid ridge in his pants, the bulge that had had her mouth watering since she'd felt it half an hour before. She'd kissed a fair number of men, and there had been some skillful kissers in that group. Sometimes the kisses led to more, sometimes they didn't. While technique was everything in an operating room, when it came to fucking, passion was paramount. Ben didn't have perfect technique, but he made up for it with an intensity she'd take over precision any day. Ben was overflowing with passion, making him far and away the best kisser she'd ever had. He kissed her with an erotic longing and desperation that sent moisture to her pussy, drenching her panties. I want you, his kisses seemed to say. Don't hold back, give me everything. And she did. As his mouth devoured hers, she ravaged his, letting her hands sift through the soft strands at the nape of his neck, flitter across his broad shoulders, and clutch his wide, muscled back. She couldn't get enough of him, his taste, his smell, his touch. Their loud, ragged breaths acted as an audible aphrodisiac, turning her on even more. Only when the warning signs of lack of oxygen began blaring, did she pull away from him and drag in deep mouthfuls of air. Eyes wide, she stared at him. Holy fuck, their first real kiss, and it had been extraordinary. Extraordinary.